this is a town everybody is very focused on their job, their career, what's next. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But I I think I have survived this long, frankly, and am still happy doing what I'm doing because I have other interests. Whereas most people think they need to pick a college major that will lead to their career, Rebecca Ben chose to study literature and education mainly to immerse herself in things she enjoyed. Of course, her career on Capitol Hill, both on the staff side and now on the lobbying side, has used both. Find out how defining yourself not by what you do, but by what you love can be a very good policy on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. Today, I'm here with Rebecca Ben, and we are going to talk about lobbying for what is needed and advocating for things that are good and right and trying to figure out what that even is. So, Rebecca, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. All right. So I asked the same two starting questions of all my guests, and they are these. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become? These are great questions. So I think of myself as when I started college, I was thrilled to be there. I'm from a really small town in Mississippi. I graduated with 42 people from a Catholic high school. I know as much as I love being from Mississippi and I'm from a really supportive, loving family, I'm really close to my parents, my sister to this day. I really wanted a different experience. I wanted to meet probably more people considering I <laughs> graduated with 42 people. And to add to that, I started first grade through 12 with 20 of those people, oh. 22. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we knew each other, right? Like there were no secrets. So it was just exhilarating to me to go to college in New Hampshire from Mississippi to go to this idyllic campus. I mean, I just fell in love with it when I visited. And by the way, I visited in February, (laughs) which I had never experienced winter like that or really seen snow like that. So I knew it was real, right? Like I trusted my instincts, loved it. So I was so happy and excited, but I sort of think of myself as like a dumb, sweet little puppy. You know, I just had no concept of what it would be like to be on my own, probably. Like, as as excited as I was and as confident as I felt, I don't think I really recognized until a few months into the first term, like, oh my God, I'm here making decisions on my own. And thankfully, my freshman year roommate, Leanne Armano, and I, and one of my best friends to this day, Jen Withers, lived down the hall. They kind of took me under their wing and taught me, like, how to dress for winter, (laughs) had a layer. (laughs) And what's so great about, I think, about the college experience, and particularly Dartmouth for me, was I shared a very similar worldview with those two, but like Leanne's from New York, Jen's from Massachusetts. So we were from different places, had different experiences, went to different types of schools, right? Had different sorts of family experiences, but we still really bonded, right? I mean, that's like the beauty of, of college. So that's, that's kind of who it was at the beginning, just inexperienced, naive. I think that's probably what you get from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But so how did you find yourself? Who were you as we progressed through? I majored in English, minored in education, and I have always loved 
reading and literature, I mean, you know, from the head of William Faulkner and Igor Welty, so it's, it's pretty hard to miss. So I, I really enjoyed my English major, and I, I think about now, like, the traditional, like, Shakespeare class, right? I still have my Shakespeare tome on my bookshelf. I think about Professor Cook's African-American literature class. Mm-hmm. I took a modern fiction class that, like, blew my brain when I was, I think, a junior. Like, I, I remember those things, certainly, and they still mean a lot to me, obviously, because I could, you know, name them off the top of my head to you now. But honestly, it's the relationships. It's just the really close friendships that are the most meaningful to me. And I really think helped guide me to be the person that I am today. I often tell sort of younger staff or like younger folks who ask me for like career advice, you know immediately when you walk into sort of a professional situation, the type of people that you want to be around, right? Like you understand, you start to get a feeling for the culture and that is really important. That's almost as important to me as the actual work that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that because when I think about college, learning to work with different types of people from different backgrounds and work by, I mean, like figuring out where you're going to go to lunch. Is it the hop or college, right? Like, I mean, but really it's like those negotiating things just as you're going through sort of all those hard conversations about who you are, right? When you're 18, 19, 20, yeah. who you think you want to be. And maybe that ends up happening and maybe it doesn't. I mean, I wasn't one of those people who thought I would be an English teacher or anything, right? I just knew I loved reading and writing and analyzing. That's what I loved. I, I didn't go through my coursework and think that that would be my future. So for me, it was always a process of learning how to think and learning how to become the sort of person I wanted to be. And the relationships, I think, played just a biggest role for me as my coursework. Yeah. Did you feel any urgency to have figured out who that person was that you'd become by the end of that four years? Or were you kind of like, oh, I'm on a journey? No, <laughs> it was definitely not like I'm on a journey. <laughs> and my and my parents, I mean, I'm from, you know, straight up middle class, everybody works in my house upbringing. Like it wasn't like, oh, Rebecca's going to be, you know, leave Dartmouth and go to the south of France and think about who she's going to be. No, it was definitely a, I knew I needed to channel that obviously into a career, right? Like I, I knew that, that was never unclear. And I honestly, this is retrospect, purely just me thinking now, those conversations with best friends and roommates at 2 a.m. while eating EBAs, it was just as important for me, right, in helping me figure out who it was going to be as being in Professor Ben Swinger's Ed 20 class, right, and getting to TA that. I hold them in equal weight. I don't know if everyone feels that way, and I, I only bring this up because... I hope people feel comfortable if that's the case, because it's okay if you go through college and you love your major, as I did in my minor, but I knew that wasn't my career choice. There are a lot of really lucky people who know they want to be a doctor or an engineer or a teacher or a painter, right? And they know that immediately, and I think that's fantastic. I was always honestly a little jealous of that, because mm-hmm. you just see these people mm-hmm. who are born to do these things, right? It's fabulous. I wasn't like that. Yeah. 
I was building skills, I guess. Yeah. So what was the first set of opportunities you saw after graduation? I think the first, the first thing out of college was I had a fellowship to work on Capitol Hill. And I was interested in government in the sense that I remember, I mean, obviously being in New Hampshire, right? Those primaries are incredibly important. I want to say I volunteered for like Bill Clinton's presidential to like hold some signs, right? Outside of some polling place or something. And then of course, as I'm sure you remember, we would get a lot of candidates come through and yeah. lectures and things like that. And I was always interested in that. I think it's because politics is like, you know, the public discourse, right? I mean, everyone to me has a responsibility, right? To be involved and vote, but also, I was just interested in the institutions and how they worked. Mm -hmm. Now I see that, right? There was sort of like the initial interest when I was younger, but then when I got the fellowship and worked on the Hill, I didn't know what that meant practically. I didn't know kind of what the daily life of, I was essentially like a paid intern, to be fair. I was 22, right? I wasn't like writing laws. Be very clear. I was like making sure my member had her bagel and her diet coke and that kind of thing. And then luckily I did end up working with both the chief of staff and an LD at the time in that office that I worked for who were kind enough to take an interest in me and what the kind of issues that I was interested in and gave me a little more work and it kind of grew from there. And then I ended up, as I said, I'm from Mississippi originally, I ended up meeting some folks who worked for a center from Mississippi at an event that my dad actually had a connection to. And he was like, hey, you should go to this lunch. I can't travel for it, but you should go. Like, you know, it'll just be a fun experience to meet some other people. Because part of the great thing about the Hill is a lot of people are really young when they start off, right? It's a, it's a young person's game, right, for the most part a lot of people from all over the country and so that's really fun so i went met a lot of folks from the senate office they had an opening like a month later called me and said hey you want to interview for this and i was like yeah, absolutely let's do it because my my fellowship was going to end i had to be perfectly frank with you wasn't sure if i was going to stay or not i was trying to determine i had some friends you know like a lot of us from in new york right like maybe i do that maybe i got california i have a lot of relatives in southern california i was really trying to figure it out and got this opportunity spent about 15 years in the senate personal office and then on a committee doing work for on the approach committee which basically funds all the all the agencies in the federal government so ended up with an expertise in budgeting which if you knew me in high school, it's hilarious. Like I just didn't, I never really took to math. I was always interested in in literature, right? And sort of government, right? Never really in budgeting, but that's that's my expertise now, which makes me laugh. But is, is expertise in budgeting really about the math or is it about negotiations around the math? Great question. It's, it's both. It, I would say it's probably 60-40 negotiations, right? But you have to have some aptitude. I mean, I, I certainly am no math major. <laughs> you would never confuse me for a math major. But you have to develop some expertise and comfort with numbers because you are you're making policy decisions, right, based on where you want to put your money. I mean, that's that's sort of the, the long and short of it. But I, I did, you kind of hit on 
what I really liked about that job, though, which was it's the negotiation part. It's sitting down across, you know, with one person on your side. I was working in the Senate at the time, so my Senate counterpart with our House counterparts on the other side of the table and sort of talking through issues and figuring out, you know, where our members were and where our bodies were on particular issues and working through them. And so it's a lot about listening to people, understanding what's important, knowing what's important on your side and sort of how to come to an agreement. And it was, it involved a lot of late nights, a lot of dinners from vending machines. That's so funny. I was about to say, it sounds like those late night conversations about, you know, do we go to Collis or, <laughs> exactly. you know, like, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So many years on the Hill. And yes. where did that route take you? Because as you said, it's a young person's game, not to say we're not still young, we are, but um, opportunities do come. And so what, what was your your path out of there? So I got to a point where in the, I was on the committee, right, sort of managing budget. And it was getting to the point where that process was, was getting really bogged down. So I sort of felt like I was ramming my head into a brick wall, which is not that fun. Well, we were shutting down the government. Exactly. Yeah, that's just, that's no fun. And so there are a couple different paths that that I've seen that I had seen at the time, like colleagues of mine take. You can certainly spend a career there. So I could have looked at other committee opportunities, which I will say I enjoy working in a personal office because it connected me to Mississippi. But also... A committee is probably where my heart really lies. Like if I ever were to go back, that's what I would do. It gives you an opportunity to dig into an issue, you know, specifically. So I could have done that. If you choose to lobby, you can go sort of corporate route. You can go firm. Um, you can obviously go uh, nonprofit, right? There, there are opportunities, third-party groups, right? There are opportunities in town. I mean, D.C., I think everybody lovingly refers to it as a, you know, a government town. And I think that's right. Although we have, I, I believe, really, you know, grown and diversified. But at its heart, it's a government town. So there are other options as well. For me, I ended up going to work corporate government relations in the transportation space because my sort of expertise on, on appropriations was in environmental issues, which obviously is a correlation with transportation. That was great. It, it really taught me, which I didn't know until I did it, which is also a great lesson, right, for life and what you're choosing to do, that you're probably going to focus on four or five specific issues when you're in-house like that for a particular company. And if, if you don't wake up every day motivated by those five issues, it can start to get sort of monotonous. And I didn't, I just didn't know that before. I really liked, again, back to sort of how important relationships are. I built some really, really good relationships, both within, you know, my office and with people I ended up working with, because I ended up sort of lobbying, so to speak, a different group of staffers that I had worked with. And so it sort of opened up another sort of issue expertise that I just really hadn't crossed over into in my previous job. And so that was awesome. I mean, still, I, I see those folks a lot now, and it's it's really great for me. I wouldn't have met them otherwise. But I realized I spent about four and a half years there, and I realized I was sort of coming up against, like, I could sort of wake up in the middle of the night, 
if you call me at 2 a.m. and be like, what are the five most important issues to the company I work for? And I could name them for you. Like, but I, I sort of started to think, I felt like I had on like a jacket that was a little too tight. Like I needed mm. to sort of grow again and experience something. And that's also a good lesson because I was, you know, my, what, early 40s, I guess, early 40s. And it's great to know there's there's more to learn, right? There's another experience out there. I think we can get, and I, I think I was guilty of that because I spent about 15 years on the Hill. You can kind of get tunnel vision, right? You don't think about what else is out there for you, what other experiences there are still left to discover, right? And so now I'm at a firm where I've been here for almost five years and Obviously, there are always pluses and minuses at a firm. I'm working on a number of different issues, right? And so I kind of view it as a little bit of a ping pong ball. Like I can, you know, I can be working on a tax issue in the morning and then move to an education issue in the afternoon. But this kept me really sharp. I, I like that aspect of it. And so it's been, and again, sort of the lobbying part of it, the advocating with you know, folks on the Hill or in agencies or with third party groups, that is always the same. It's just, you know, what side of the table are you on, right? Are you working for a specific client? And if you're in-house, right, that's that's what you're living. But I've enjoyed the firm part of it because I can learn new things, which is important to me, and dig into issues that I just never would have imagined that would interest me. Honestly, I, I never worked tax issues on the Hill, but I've really enjoyed my exposure to those. I have a number of clients that care about education, which has been sort of a through line for me, which I'm really happy about. I worked on that, obviously mattered in college, right? I love that. And then ended up working education issues in my first job in the Senate. So I sort of, I, I, I love keeping sort of contact with those issues. They're meaningful to me. But it's also fun to try new things, right? And then that, again, leads me to new groups of people on the Hill as well. So it's been. So talking about that kind of breaking out of that tunnel vision on the Hill in your career to try new things, I get this sense that many Washingtonians are like tunnel vision in work is life. <laughs> and yeah. And how have you been able to kind of break that tunnel vision of, uh, you know, work all the time, 100%, because I know that that's something that people struggle with. Yes. I sort of realized kind of halfway through my time on the Hill, like, the, I don't think this is, un, this is unusual or unique to politics, but people generally, when they introduce themselves, like, an event on the Hill, they lead with, I work for Senator so-and-so or Congressman so-and-so, Congresswoman so-and-so, right? Like, that is important to people. Mm-hmm. And it is important. I mean, it tells you immediately where somebody might be from. There's a natural sort of rivalry between Senate House, right? Mm-hmm. Like, whatever Senate person, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, ideologies yeah idea oh god yeah we won't even touch that but yes right. <laughs> definitely right so there's a lot of that and i just realized pretty early on that's like that's my job is important to me it's important to me to bring value right to the teammates internally and externally for whoever i'm working for however i i don't think of myself first as lobbyists like that's not like I would imagine most of the people who know me well that's probably farther down on the list right I mean I think Mets fan is, is probably up there you know <laughs> southerner 
music fan, right? I mean, right? Like, uh, yeah, right. Um, red wine drinker, right? There's a lot <laughs> of other things that I think would come first. And so, to your point, yes, this is a tale. Everybody is very focused on their job, their career, what's next. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But I, I think I have survived this long, frankly, and am still happy doing what I'm doing because. I have other interests and I have built friendships here. Like after after I talked to you, I'm meeting two friends for a happy hour that I've had for 15 plus years, right? I met them on the hill. Um, we all work in government, but we, I guarantee that's not what we're talking about, right? Talking about basketball, talking about whatever we're drinking, talking about what's going on this weekend, right? Just sort of normal, yeah. normal conversation. It's so stark, though, on the Hill. I mean, I think every, you're right. In in many trades, in many fields, people kind of lead with, I work at, I work, you know, in. Um, but when you have to define your work by, I work for this other person, and the person identity kind of subsumes your own identity, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. And I think it's good for you to have acknowledged that early on. Like, I'm not that person you may glean a lot from knowing that person and you think you know who i am but they're not a mets fan they drink white wine like i'm different right i'm me i i wish we got into that more and and put that on our name badges rather than kind of all these institutional things or other people's oh absolutely yeah and you're right it is it's particular to politics in that way because i think there are a lot of people that they either envision a political career for themselves, right? In which case, I mean, this is what you're living for. And that's great. I mean, I want good, decent, talented, smart people to go into politics. Right. I mean, otherwise, right, what are we doing? And I want good, talented, decent, smart people to work on the Hill too, because those good, decent members need support, right? I mean, I'm honestly, thrilled that young people still want to come here and work considering sort of the tenor of politics right now again i'm really happy that that continues to happen and it does i I get to see it it's great but yeah there's a part of it i I hope people also understand you're important too right you're sort of your development your interests outside of what you're doing during the day and i think it's also a product of now like political news um, is 24-7, and so it's it's hard to get away, I think, for people. But for me, it was important to realize it early on and to be comfortable with it and to be, and well, I guess, and to sort of find a group of people who share my, my viewpoint. Right? I mean, we're all sort of, I think, of my really great friends that I think of here in D.C. who work in politics. And, of course, I have friends who don't, but the ones who do we're varying degrees, right, on this scale, but we're all, generally speaking, come from the same mindset in the sense of there's just, in order to make this work for yourself and to be successful, but to also be happy, there have to be other outlets. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, Rebecca, thinking back to 20-something, fresh out of college, taking on a, who knows what this internship or this fellowship's going to feel like, what would that Rebecca say if you'd told her where you are and what life has looked like over the past 25 years? I think she'd be surprised that I made my life here. I liked DC a lot. It has like kind of a, a Southern 
undertone for me, which made me feel comfortable sort of immediately. I don't know if it's the way the neighborhoods are built or that like, you know, the limits we have on building size, right? It's not New York, right? You go to New York and you're like, I'm in New York. And I love New York, don't get me wrong, but it can feel overwhelming, right? And for me, I don't know if it's like DC felt approachable to me as a young person, because again, um, small town and then Dartmouth, of course, is like, obviously beautiful, but also manageable, right? Like it's a manageable <laughs> size, you know? So I love DC, but I, I was open to the possibility of sort of anything at that point. I couldn't have put a name on it. So I think 22 year old Rebecca would have been surprised that this is the career that I've chosen and that, uh, that I'm here. Well, it seems to have worked this long, so who knows what will happen in the next chapter, and you say you're open to things, and I I definitely feel it, so who knows, but um, we wish you well wherever that road takes you, and thank you so much for sharing this story with us today. Oh, happy to do it. Thanks again. I'm really glad you're doing this series, by the way. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed listening to our classmates quite a bit. That was Rebecca Ben, who's a Mets fan, red wine drinker, music lover, and ready accomplice for a winning happy hour or brunch in D.C. She's also a partner at bipartisan lobbying firm Ballard Partners, where she continues to advise both government and corporate decision makers on a wide range of policy issues. We try to present a wide range of stories on Roads Taken, with nearly 100 guests featured so far. If you know of someone with a story to share, fill out the Contact Us form at roadstakenshow.com And then, since we hope you're already subscribed and get an episode delivered to you each week, listen out to see if they become a guest with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on another episode of Roads Taken.